Yeah. Salutations, greetings, greetings to you all. Welcome to it. This is when Highbury was home. A loud booth podcast presentation. I am True Story. A sad Arsenal fan today because we've just gone through four days in October that probably typify what it is to not just be an Arsenal fan today, but to have been an Arsenal fan over the last decade and some change, you know, since we left Harry in a sense, or around that time before we started getting ready to leave and the moves that were being made and how the team was being built in a sense and the mentality within the squad, right? First and foremost, apologies for not doing the recap show for the Europa League game. It was one of those where I guess inevitably the energy and the spirits and the ancestors knew that we probably wouldn't have to do this as part of a holistic recap with the Leicester game. So by the time we had technical difficulty putting that out and we started doing the post-match game, the pre-match game for the Leicester game, I just figured, you know what, let's take this after the Leicester game and sit from there because I think we'll have a clearer picture of what this is. I guess also my energy was up. I was a bit more optimistic having seen the team grind out a result in a game maybe where we shouldn't have won and we... We, we typically maybe would have lost that before, right? So a brief recap of that game, you know, going a goal down in the second half where that was probably one of our more disappointing first half performances in a while, not as sprightly. And knowing that we're away from home in a Europa League game with some more second string players, you could understand maybe why there was a trepidation within the squad and at least I could understand at the time why. There was an energy in the squad that was a bit more leaning towards the uncertain side, right? And then we, you know, we equalize after making some changes and bringing on Nova Mayang and a Hector Bellerin, right? And then you start to see the team pick up and you see that and you think, hmm, okay, I think the manager's realizing now that there's certain players and there's certain systems that just invigorate the team. When we throw caution to the wind, a lot more of the there's a, there's a lot more players with that mentality where there's a lot more accountability where they will know what it is they're risking and the other players who are maybe in a position to cover the risk will will cover and ensure and do what they're supposed to do within the back line and all the other things right. We got the goal, we get the winner. Then you're realizing, mm, okay, there's heart in there, there's determination in there. There's, a, there's an ability to grind out to win even when the team's not playing well, even when the goalkeeper makes some mistakes and makes a couple mistakes where we could be 3-0 down. Luckily, we're not, so we make these changes. We're just 1-0 down, and then we'll go 1-1, we'll go 2-1, and then you can kill off the game, right? It was tough to see how we reacted from that game and how we were the polar opposite in the Leicester game. When the Leicester game minus us scoring, it was the inverse. We would Leicester, we dominated until around that 50th, 60th minute mark. And then they make the change, they get the goal result. And for me, I need to see more in Mikel adapting. I need to see more in the players, yes, but now there has to be a level of accountability. As in, you pick the personnel, you pick the formation. Yes, we as fans have ideas of how we envision it being. At the end of the day, if you put that person out there, you need to make sure they're accountable for the performance that they deliver. If not, they shouldn't be out there continually. We're seeing too many players now who they've shown us who they really are. I live by life principles that have molded me into the person I am and allowed me to see life more holistically. One of those is when people show you who they really are, you should believe them. There are players in that dressing room that have shown us who they truly are, that mind them no be levels. They're not levels. They're not fit to wear that jersey. They're not fit to have that badge sit atop of their heart like that. They don't have the heart like that. What are they doing in my squad? Because Miguel is the gaffer at the end of the day has to be the one that decides, that says, nah, this is not going to work or this is going to work. So now we've reached that stage where <sighs> recapping that game, where that's a win, and I'm disheartened recapping and knowing what came after. Yet there were performances in that game where some I took heart from and some were very disappointing. So my player ratings from that game were Leno was very disappointing. The mistake and the mistakes he was making continually in the game and the team could have been further down, so that was a, a four for him. 
Cedric Suarez on the right wing back position I thought was very solid and solid rather Suarez Suarez <laughs> Suarez Suarez he was very solid and I felt he offered us a dynamism where he can start some games as a right back or right wing back or even a right center back and he can still play on the left wing back side right we maybe not have we weren't as as happy with the signing and how it went about with his agent and everything yet he gives us something there where when Hector came on it was just Okay, Hector, give us the more attacking version of this right back, this right wing back, and you can play further forward. And Hector went through, got the assist, and that's what we want to see in the squad, right? In every position, we want to see continuity, we want to see depth, we want to see mandem who are trying, who are putting an effort, who are giving a shift, you know? So that was a solid seven for Suarez when he started. Hector coming in, I gave him an eight in that position. And that, for me, I felt was just what it was. I mean, Davi Louis, at right centre-back, I felt he was solid too. Got himself a goal, great, great goal. And I think his performances while growing in relationship with, with Gabriel, it's, it's, also, it's also key for his development, I think, even if it's just for this one season where he's a transition centre-back. I think it gives us a glimpse of what we can have potentially in two solid centre-backs when David Lewis is his solid self, more more reliable self, right? So that was a solid seven for David Lewis in that game as well. Gabriel, for me, was one of our men of the match or candidates therein because he just grows in confidence in every game, even when the team doesn't play well. Now we've seen him play well. And I think it was a fear Miguel had of how he would react would he play badly and bring the team down. It almost seems as if he sets his own level and the team now has to play up to a Gabriel level. He should be one of the first names on that team sheet. For me personally, he's an indispensable now. You know? He's one of those guys, man, where he can play left center back, he can play central in the back three, give you a solid performance. You go about his job, read the game, do what he's asked to do tactically. We'll talk about A, hey, speaking the language and all of that. Mind them, that doesn't translate in his game. He doesn't speak the language, yet he speaks the language of football. It's Mandem who can speak the language clearly, but clearly don't understand football. Fluent in other things, but not football. Pardon me. Fluent in Instagram pics, and fluent in runway things, and fluent in, in all this other shit, but not fluent in football. Not fluent in the thing that actually allows you to do those things. That's what hurts about young professionals these days, bro. They tell us shit because of that. But sometimes we fluent in the other things that we only get as a result of our profession. And we don't respect the profession. So when we lose the profession and we lose those other things we think people have it out for us. Or it's like we just didn't have enough about us to look out for ourselves. That ain't it, man. So I respect what Gabriel is. And as a young player there, man, 22 years old and doing the utmost... I respect that and I see a future leader in that dressing room and that young man because he's everything we've cried for in the center back and more. So much, much love to Gabriel Magalhas, man. One of the few shining lights so far in the season. Say I'd played next to him at left center back and he was complete, utter shite. And one of them mind them was like, listen, they've shown us who they really are. And it's one of those other life principles as well. Like, now we're just giving relationship game. It's like, coming up, I was taught early on that, like, how you get someone is how you lose them. So if you get a bra by, like, hitting somebody else with a brick, I guess for European fans, a brick is, like, taking a girl from somebody or taking a guy from somebody, right, who's in a relationship. That's more often than not probably how you lose, and that person will walk away from you, or you. That person may be taken from you in that regard because that's how that person moves, and that's the energy you've created. That's how you move, so that's gonna happen to you, whatever the case is, right? We got Sayad on the free because we're trying to be cost effective at that time. Overpaid him wage wise, and he's gonna run down his contract, geez, and get paid elsewhere because that's just his game. In the first couple. He showed us a bit more, right? And then we didn't see too much else after that. That's what it is. And now we're sitting there thinking, okay, we're going to have to see a little bit more from a Sayar Kolasinic. And I don't know what that's going to be. I'm praying to something. Because 
if he's still in the squad performing like that, I don't think there's much of a ceiling for us going forward. I don't think there's much room for us to develop into much of a football team going forward because mind them no be levels and even if you try to play him in different positions, he's not a defender because you can't defend. You know what I'm saying? He tries hard. You can give him that. He tries very hard and I commend him for that because it's one of the things we adored about him as a fan base when he came over, right? But now it's like, hey, not going to be able to do it, shawty. You are not it. So that was a five for Mandam there. Saka started at left wing back, and it was one of the games where I felt Bukayo was maybe making a statement to the gaffer more than anything in his performance because he struggled to get into the game. He, start, he struggled to affect the game and was caught out more defensively than he was helping offensively, which got to the point where Miguel has to make a decision on the kid. Because the kid's an attacking player, yet Miguel only see him sees him on the left side. Because right now, I think Miguel only sees the left side of the pitch. And it's affecting Bukayo because the kid can only do but so much when he's not playing in positions that get the best out of him, with the team built around him to get the best out of him. In a game like this, where you're playing second string, then man... Bukayo shouldn't be playing out of position. He shouldn't be the one to make the sacrifice. Everything The team should be built around him in a game like that. Yet to see a guy like Eddie accommodate into the squad playing out of position, that to me, it, it said a lot. It said that maybe Mikel doesn't see Bukayo the way we see Bukayo. And that's very telling because then maybe Mikel doesn't see talent the way we see talent. Because he, he gives a lot of chances to a guy like getting kids here where it's like, nah. It's not, it's not happening right now. He maybe needs to go out on loan because at first team level, it's not happening. At youth level, it happens for him. At youth international level, it happens for him. At first team level, it's not cracking off. Send him out to loan because he's, he's at that age where he's supposed to be growing into a first team player. Balogun is 19 now. It's his turn to be the next kid who gets that shot. Over down the middle, Laka on the bench. Why do we all see it and Mikael doesn't? So we'll get to that, but... It was a six for part for Saka. Tierney came on um, after Saka went off, and yeah, I mean, not enough time to rate him, so it'll be a standard six. Uh, Partey getting a debut. It was nice to see him get a a debut, and the team looked solid with him in it. You know, first half maybe not his best game. Yet second half he held the team down. One man, like Mikel said in his post-match press conference, and. That's when I think we start to realize that this midfield needs to be rebuilt around him. It can't be guys who have been here now get to play and Partey has to fit in around them. No, 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 no. This midfield has to be rebuilt around Partey time now because it's Partey time. We have the, the midfielder we need who can disrupt play and then send it forward and move forward with the play. So in a sense, we've got the type of defensive midfielder Arsenal need. It may not be a defensive out-and-out midfielder, but it's a defensive midfielder in the sense where they do the defending in the central of the midfield more than the other two midfielders maybe do, or the other midfielder that they're next to normally do. So for me, playing him next to Aneni is a sign that Mikel doesn't see that, because Aneni had a good game, don't get me wrong, and in a sense, he did something un Elneny esque you know, where he, he played the ball forward and it led to Hector being unleashed in behind and then Hector getting an assist for the over winning goal. And there you go. If you had a guy in that position who plays those forward passes more often next to Partey time or breaks those lines, because Partey will break the line with his movement, yet you maybe need a guy who would carry the ball a lot more and dribble past one or two. There you go. Miguel needs to start reading into what's going on in here. He needs to start seeing this thing clearly there. Man needs to start seeing the picture clearly there by him, Miguel. Because then starting Pepe was a nice move for him. It was a nice look for Pepe as well. Saying, oh, pardon me. Ooh, sorry. Just a bug flew by and I didn't want it to, to be hurt. Yeah, man, care bear that I am. <laughs> yes, it landed on me. I tried to flick it off. It landed upside down. So I just wanted to make sure it landed safely. Apologies. So Pepe starting on the on the right wing was again great look for Nicola Pepe yet. Okay, Nicola Pepe, good game. 
gets the assist from the free kick. Okay, I won't say a good game, decent game. Gets the assist from the free kick that makes it a good game. Yet, even when things weren't working out for him, he kept trying. And I like seeing that person. Okay, Nicola, if things aren't going to work out for you, you're not going to have your best game, at least try. Put in a shift. Give an effort, right? And it was nice to see that, you know, because by the time Reese came on, Pepe had ran his race, you know, and a solid seven for him because he had done he had done his job, you know. And then again, we forgot to rate that was a seven yet. It's nice to see guys when it's not working for them, at least they're learning how to put in a shift and, and put in the best performance and give the best of themselves. So that's always good to see there. Eddie starting on the left side for me is one thing I didn't fully understand. It was one thing I didn't fully understand because... Aiden Ketty is one of those guys where he's supposed to be a centre-forward, yet now when you're looking at centre-forwards in this in this modern ilk, is okay, you're looking for the pressing, you're looking for the hold-up play, and you're looking for the goal-scoring. Some coaches don't look for that, yet you look for that because that's what you look for in your forward line. And it's one of those things now where it's getting to a point with Eddie where his pressing is there, hold-up play maybe may not get there because of his frame and he's not being... He's not built that way and not dispositioned that way as a player. Yet the goals aren't there. And you're looking at a thing where at 21, 22 now, he's chasing, bro. At 20, pardon me, pardon me. At 21, 22, he's chasing. It gets to a point where, okay, now Eddie, Eddie has to maybe start getting more first-team minutes somewhere else. Maybe when it's not at Arsenal, you know. And loaning him up may be the best thing for him as a player, but maybe the best thing for the club as well because there's potential in the kid. We've seen that there's a potential goal scorer. Yet in the same breath, the kid needs to maybe learn how to play consistently at a high level. And even if the goals aren't falling for you, your play is still at a high level. That shows that, okay, you, you deserve to play at this level. Because right now it's starting, to look, it's starting to look dire for the kid, you know. So that was a six for him. Uber coming on showed a bit more of what you would need in that position. Yet he also probably needs to be playing further down the middle instead of out on the flanks in any other position. So... It was an eight for Ubo off the bench, yet I feel he needs to start playing more games down the middle and impacting the game that way. Um, Luck has started down the middle himself, and it was a, a symbolic performance in that regard because we haven't seen, aside from three goals, we haven't seen Luck have a confident performance for me personally. Because even in the goals, like like Troop said, there were some scrappy goals. There were some goals where even after he scored in the game, he has chances. He doesn't convert. He doesn't. He doesn't take it seriously in that regard. So it's getting to a point now where you're realizing that Mandem Nobi levels, you know, he's not at that level he used to be two seasons ago when he was our player of the season. And we need to start exploring a place where maybe he is a backup striker and we're going to look to move him on from there down the line because it's really not working out for him down the middle and it's costing the team overall. So it's just going to be one of those things where we have to explore a situation where over down the middle and Laka on the bench or maybe even looking to explore minutes where moments rather in January and in, in the summer where we can sell them off and get whatever we can get back from him because it's not working out. That was the sixth performance against a team where that's the type of game where Lacazette gets a couple of chances, puts them away and gets his confidence back. If it's not happening in those games, it's probably not going to happen for him, you know. So yeah, Uber, Hector coming on were the only subs I felt we really could rate because they were on for long enough. Um, everybody else, I mean Nelson and, and Willock, I felt, yeah. Not enough time for them to really impact the game in that fixture. And so you're sitting there coming back from it on Thursday night saying, OK, 2-1 win against a team we probably always should have beaten, made changes, so that's what maybe we made it harder for ourselves. Let's go into the Leicester game with a degree of confidence. Let's go into the Leicester game knowing at the very least that we're going to get a positive result out of this and make it two wins on the trot, right? Not because that's just maybe not how Arsenal wants to do things anymore, right? That consistency is not a word that reverberates in that conscious of that dressing room because we haven't seen it for a while. We haven't seen a consistent performance for ages and now we're starting to see what it is that we've been crying out for when it comes to improving the quality in the squad. Because when you improve the quality in the squad, at the very least you can maintain consistency. Is that if one or two players have bad games, at the very least there'll be other guys who can make up for it in that sense, right? Yeah, when you're carrying passengers, then it gets to a point where you need your better players to have superstar, superman performances all the time. And it's not always going to happen for you like that, especially when the service that they require to be superheroes comes from those guys who are making a living off of being passengers. It's not going to work. It hasn't worked. It's not working, and it's not going to work. So the Leicester game was a clear example 
of going into a game against a team that was always going to sit back and wait to absorb pressure and hit us on the counter-attack, open up the game later on when we have to chase it, especially if we haven't scored. And they knew at the very least they were always going to be able to get a draw. If we score first, they'll go chase the equalizer late because we probably aren't going to score two. Because everybody knows these days, for us to score two, that's a miracle or two. Because it takes a miracle for us to get one goal these days, it seems, right? That's a fucking mess, man. Like, we need, we need better. I mean, for Leicester to beat us for the first time at home in 47 years, it's telling. It's telling. They've won the league title and have not beaten us at home in 47 years. They were a good team before in the 90s and have not beaten us at home in 47 years. I bet somewhere in Leicester's history, in, 40, in the past 47 years, they were a good team still then at some point, even if it was just for a season. And they did not beat us at home in 47 years. Something needs to change. And has to change drastically because at the end of the day, Miguel needs to understand that's his reputation and his legacy on the line. Don't mind them, some of these players really don't give a fuck and could not be asked because they know they'll go get another club somewhere else and go be shit somewhere else. Someone else will pay them to be shit somewhere else. You might not get another chance. And you're a pretty good manager in my book. Don't let these fuckers bring you down, bro. Like, it's really not on. Mikel played in teams like that where he wasn't maybe the most talented player, yet he tried so hard. There were guys who were way more talented than him that who could not have been asked, who could not have cared a rat. And they didn't give a rat's ass, bro. And that's why the team sucked for all those years he was there. Don't let that happen to you as a manager, jeez. You have, you have power now. <laughs> yeah. Don't let that Stockholm Syndrome get you down. You got power now, so... That was just a sidetrack note where I'm just taking man loss to fucking Brendan Rodgers, dog. <laughs> man loss to the fucking... The sheep half armor, bro. Like, Yassi, Mikael, no, bro. You don't need those type of L's on your resume, Shadi. Because <laughs> Brendan can never get out of his own way long enough to get things right. So if he's beating you, that means... Maybe you overthinking things, you being a bit Brendan Rodgers, that's what I'm seeing. So, I mean, talking points for me at the start of the game, we figured 4 3 3, that's what we all called for, and we got what we called for in that regard. I was happy, I wasn't so happy in so far as the personnel within the 4 3 3. I would have liked over down the middle, I'd have loved Saka centrally in midfield with Pepe starting. I would have definitely. Love to see Xhaka on the bench or maybe sold somewhere to a team that still has a transfer window open right now for some chance. Because, yeah, other than that, everything else looks solid, you know. And the first half was a sign-off that aside from the third-minute chance where I think Leno's off his line and he gets chirped or they attempt to chip him, we dominated. You know, we had all the chances, we had all the possession, and reality was we were probably never going to really score, you started to feel. Because after the disallowed goal in the fourth minute, you realize, okay, we're not going to get help from the refs. Although we should come into games, no, we're not going to get no help from the referees. That goal should have stood, you know, because Laka hits the ball. Xhaka doesn't touch it. He's not standing in front of the goalkeeper obstructing in any way. That's part of the set play. What must he disappear now once the set play comes in? What's the law of football about that? Because you're allowed to stand in front of the goalkeeper and disrupt his line of sight. Otherwise, every goal will not stand, right, from a corner. Because most people do that. You stand in front of the goalkeeper and disrupt goalkeeper. You can't touch him. But if I'm standing in front of you, okay, I'm not interfering with play. You got to get around me. So I don't understand that. That's one of those where I guess the, the, the laws are going to have to be something we revisit on, on this show and just hearing what that's about, but I mean, Shaka was not a judge to be interfering with the goalkeeper in my book. That goal should start, you know, and from there, we dominate, dominate, don't score. Laka gets our next big chance, and 29th minute header, ball comes across goal, and you thinking a striker with any degree of conviction and self-belief puts that away, at the very least throw themselves at it so much that they get kicked in the head and your team gets a penalty.
and the opposition players probably even sent off for that. Mandem makes no connection with the ball, it seems, and the ball flips off his boot and it's a corner, of the boot of the defender and it's a corner. And you have to look at that and think, those type of chances fall into an informed striker or an inconfident striker or a striker at the very least just believes in themselves, that's a goal. And from then, I didn't think we were going to get another chance. One side note was, I think just a little bit after that, uh, uh, was it Fuchs uh, gets a freaking challenge on Lacazette coming through in behind him. And that's one of those things where, again, we should know that no love from the referees, no love from VAR, but that's a challenge in from behind with no chance of playing the ball. You clip the man on his Achilles and what? He's still on the field? And it's one of those things where you realize that Arsenal are probably one of the few teams where if an orange card was in place, then we would probably be getting the most orange cards in the history of football because that's the type of situation where fools should be off the field even if it's temporarily because that's unsportsmanlike behavior at the very least. You know what I'm saying? Luck had been giving away fouls and he had been the one who the chances are falling to him. So the best thing to do is just as a defender, you taught to slow him down a bit. That's cynical. That's cynical, and you're sitting in a situation where some teams would get that decision go in their favor. And for us, it's just foul, okay, cool, at worst, play on. That's fucking bullshit. So, first half finish is uneventful with a whole lot of chances, not too much going on target for us, because right now we're not really in tune with who we are offensively. We don't know what we're doing offensively, and that's really affecting the balance of what we're trying to do. Because we only have but so much we do. Like, we literally play to the left, to the left. Like Beyonce, you know, shout out to Truth. It literally goes one side, bro. Everything in your own, in the box, to the left, you know. It's freaking madness. So, yeah. Hector's chance in the 68th minute was, I guess, the last time we had a chance to say, okay, cool. Here it is. And I felt there, again, Hector's been growing in confidence, but... Man, Hector, dog. I feel like Hector Pellerin, Pellerin. The Pellerino puts that away because all you have to do is pick a side. I've seen Hector score some pretty nice goals and all he does is pick a side. It may not look pretty to everybody else, but he'll just pick a side and put the ball in the back of the net. And that would have changed the game for Arsenal because literally immediately after that, Luis goes off. Or like Luis actually just went off before that and then Vardy came on. Vardy comes on right then. Right after that, rather, is when Vardy has goals in them. So it's like, we had chances. We had chances, and they were always going to be one chance away from scoring it. Unfortunately, Luis being off and Mustafi being the player that comes on, which again makes no sense. Mustafi should be nowhere near our football club. He shouldn't even be allowed to train at Arsenal, personally speaking. He should be allowed to train at home. He's self-quarantining for his next club because he's an utter shite player. And... He comes on, Gabriel tells him where the danger is, saying, I have to go deal with this mess here because I'm covering here. So I'll be out of position. You're already basically out of position, so just guard that position there and we'll be all right because if this play moves to there where I think it's going to move to, you'll be able to clear the ball. What does Mustafi do? The same thing Mustafi has done in his own Arsenal career. He makes his own fucking decision. Which is more often than not the worst possible decision to make. So there he just stops following and tracking play. Until Vardy's in behind him and realizes, oh, by the way, Vardy's an opposition player. It is a pretty decent goal scorer. So if the ball falls to him, he'll score. So let me maybe look like, make it look like I'm chasing after him. And by the time Vardy scores the goal, Mustafi's getting in picture now, trying to track down Vardy's run. So he's a full five seconds behind play. So like the game should start five seconds, but five seconds before you should put Mustafi on the field and then start his game so that he can actually be on speed with the game. Because otherwise, it ain't going to work. Complete utter bullshit, bro. That costs us the game. A lapse in concentration where when you look on that field, when, every, when Mustafi's not playing, our only passengers when it comes to lapse in concentration players are like, sorry to say, it's, Musta- it's, it's Louise and fucking Xhaka. Right now, we've managed to eradicate all the mandem who would always make stupid fucking decisions that would cost the team. Then you bring on a stupid fucking decision player that cost the team. 
How many times do you need to see it, Mikael? You've been in a team where stupid fucking decisions cost the team. You played with Mandem like that. Come on, man. Come on, man. Something has to give with it. Something has to give, bro. Because Vardy's goal in the 80th minute, it killed the game. Because you knew from there, Brendan Rodgers was going to be like, okay, i let you go out for a bit, bring the dogs back in. <laughs> like an old fucking grandparent. Like, yeah, let the dogs out for two minutes, bring them back in. Shit, it's getting cold outside. They got the goal. What else they need? At worst, we score equalized, they leave with one point. They came in and the game was nil-nil. They, they came in with a point. They're soft. Complete, utter bullshit, bro. Like, honestly speaking, because then when you start to look into it, it's like, even with the lack of changes, how does Laka stay on the field then, man? How? Uber has his best run in the game when he's playing left to center. He starts the game on the right. Xhaka's complete utter shite finishes the game. Ceballos and Skak finishes the game. You know what hurts? You actually even have to understand those decisions because we had no one to bring on creatively. Who man them going to bring on creatively? Pepe was the only creative outlet we had. And Katie's not a creative player. He's a goal scorer who doesn't score goals. So, I don't know. Willock's supposed to be a central midfielder, yet he's just a keep it going guy. You know what I'm saying? And he hasn't holding down a position, so we don't know what he is. And then he is, in my book, just a backup for party now. Let's just keep it there. Keep it there. You know what I'm saying? Mustafi, quarantine. Yeah, Mustafi's quarantining now. Ainsley, I don't know what Ainsley has to do to get game. What must Ainsley do to get game? Because when Ainsley get game, Ainsley not play. Ainsley not perform. But there's Mandem who never perform, who get game. Ainsley didn't play... In the, in, the, in the European game. AD played in the fucking left-wing position. If you're going to reward somebody, reward Ainsley Maitland-Niles in his more natural position further forward, and let's see what he can do there. Now, reward Kaku. you. want to reward Kaku. Okay, you get cut performance. Because when you look at our bench, it was fuck all he could do. Fuck all. And my only issue with that is, okay... You could have invested in the transfer window. Pussyfooted around just to end up paying the money for party. No one wanted to pay us the money because everybody thought we needed money to go spend money. So they're like, you broke, we're going to lowball you. Stupid, man. Stupid, man. And now you get stupid results. That's how it goes, bro. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Doing the same thing. Same team. Caught in the days, bro. Because fourth is gone now. We're going to be real. I've said, let's forget fourth. Real shit, bro. Let's not focus on that. Focus on putting an 11 out. Focus on putting an 18 out every single week that we can envision how this team will look a year from now. With Mandem, who will be here a year from now. No Mandem, who's not going to have a future in this club, are going to be here. Start playing some kids now. Let's start preparing. Because this year, uh-uh. We're going nowhere with this year, boss. Because Mikael's now making himself look like a stupid. Like he can't coach. And Mikael now is a good coach. And I'll be one of the better coaches we've seen in the Premier League in my book. The way he sees the game, the way he understands the game, the way he tries to interpret the game. Doesn't have the personnel for that. Not in all the positions. He needs to start being ruthless to say, if the first team player can't interpret my, my instructions the way I need to, pardon me, I'll go get a youth team player that can and put him next to other first team players who are interpreting my instructions properly. Then I'll have a complete side. Because this is not it, boss. This no go be working. So the player rating for the game, man, Leno, standard six. Standard six for Leno because long term, he's one of them guys where I don't see it. I don't see the team being at the Champions League final or even being in the shot of winning a league title when Leno's my number one. 
can't hold a ball to save his life, can't catch a cross, has issues with distribution sometimes. And the confidence, man, is low. Took a lot to bring him back now. And he's got no competition, so it's tough there. It's real tough there, bro. Bellerina right back. I thought he was decent. Could be better. I can't fault him because when he's playing with a new player in front of him every week, there on the right side, he can't really build a relationship the way it is on the left, and he doesn't get service the way they do on the left. So, you know, the segregation in the team, the apartheid in the team is affecting him in a sense because he can only do but so much when he doesn't have as many chances to impress, right? So it's a standard six for Hector, man, as well. I feel for him because at least he's picking up his, he's picking up his match fitness, but the form is now starting to lag because the team is not playing the way it used to when he, he was at his peak, you know. It was so crazy. When he, was his, when he was at his peak, the team would only play on the right side. Now we only play on the left side. Need some fucking balance, man. Luis, I felt, was solid for the 15 minutes that he was on the field. Um, dealt with injury for a decent part of it. And... I think long-term, if Luis is not starting games at right centre-back when Holding is out or when Saliba is not starting, then Luis, at the very least, is a great backup player to have on the squad because he's, he's just started to give us those standard performances. Like, he gave us a standard seven, and that was, that was nice to see, man. Especially when he was on the field, us not conceding a goal. That was nice to see. So, yeah, in a back four, no goals conceded, no mistakes from Luis. Confident distribution, man. It's good to see that, man. It's just good to see, man. So Gabriela felt was also very solid next to Luis. I think he continues to grow in confidence. Even in a game when the team was poor, he was still one of our better players. Closer to being like our man of the match, as he's usually been so far in his performances, right? So Gabriela gave a solid seven as well, saying, I'd like to see him more in the system. I'd like to see him more with a partner next to him. And moving forward, I really am keen to see him next to Saliba because of Saliba next to him because I think he's as much of a lead as anything that Saliba could actually grow a lot from playing next to Gabriel Magalhães. He could grow a whole lot. And for fun, I haven't been the guy who played next to Saliba last season and he's starting games. Mm. I think it shows that Mikel second kissed himself a bit too much. Where I'd rather Saliba makes that mistake that Mustafi makes and then I know next week he can rectify it. And next year he'll be a better player. Mustafi won't rectify it and he won't become a better player. So I don't want to see that no more. Sorry, bro. Nah, sorry, not sorry, bro. Tierney at left, at left back I think was solid but un, unproductive, if I could put it that way, for a change. Because he normally gives you something, even if it is... An extra defender who's confident in defending, or an extra attacking player who's confident enough in breaking the lines. There's always something at least about his game. I just felt he had one of those games where I'm starting and I'll just play. He seems gassed for me. He seems like a guy who's had a lot of his mind in the last two weeks and the whole COVID scare and all of that and his friend getting COVID. And yeah, man, I think the man just maybe needs a few games just to breathe a bit, you know. So the Dunkirk game will be great for him to breathe and then bring him back for Man United. And, you know, alternate him in and out of games, you know, until he's, he's fully back. Thomas Partey time was great to see him start centrally in midfield. Yet, I think we let him down because when Partey starts in midfield, he can't be our most adventurous midfielder out of a midfield three. He may not have been the most creative one out of him, Jacques and Ceballos when it comes to on paper. It is the most adventurous, I feel. He's the one who's more inclined to play a more forward pass or break the line and risk it a bit more. And he's the only one out of those three who I know is under contract for the next three years and I want to see at the club for the next three years, definitely. I don't know about those other two years. Tobias, I'm not sure. Xhaka, I definitely know I don't want to see him at club over the next three years. So it's telling that. It's very telling that. And I feel Mikel needs to do something about that when you start to play players for party time. Rather, you play the game like this and you, you start at Saka with Ceballos and Partey. So we want to see how 
party reacts to having a guy like a Saka and a Ceballos who's more of a deep line playmaker and a Saka who's going to be more of the quasi-8, quasi-10. Because party gets a, a 6, but his performance could have been far greater if he had better players around him, right? Xhaka was just a fucking 5 because he's a 5 of a man right now. I don't want to see him in my team no longer because going forward, I don't see a ceiling that is worth viewing when it comes to Xhaka as a player in my team. He doesn't have the quality, he doesn't have the temperament, he doesn't have the technicality. And I'm starting to grow to feel it. He shows desire. I think he has a desire to be a footballer. I don't think he has a desire to be a world-class winning footballer in a world-class winning team and organization. Maybe he wants to be one in that, but I don't think he's got the aptitude and he knows he doesn't have the aptitude to be a leading light in that. And he tries so hard that you give him those responsibilities like starting player, like captain yet. He ain't built like that. He ain't built like that. And it's time for him to maybe start spending more time on the bench and Saka playing in that midfield position centrally and then Xhaka coming on for him rather than spotting minutes for him. Ceballos, I think it was probably his most disappointing performance in an Arsenal shirt since he found himself in an Arsenal shirt. Because, yeah, it's not really working for him in that regard where I feel next to Partey, he's going to need somebody who still breaks the line further forward, who he can unleash a bit with passes closer to him but in further forward positions that allows him to maybe pick, take up more advanced positions once that player advances the play, right? Because he's not that guy in a sense. He tries hard, he wants to yet, but he doesn't have the engine. Not even because he, he gets about the pitch, right? But he doesn't have the legs and the, and the actual mobility to keep up with the play like that. So he'll be in one part of the field and then he wants to be in another part of the field and he can't be impactful in that part of the field because now he's tired, you know? So I think he needs to maybe just pick his zones and say, I'll sit deep and... I will learn to play these longer cross-field passes now as he's trying to add them to his game. Yet the shorter, intricate passes coming deep to get the ball and switching play that he's going to always have in his game. So rather let him do that, knowing when he switches deep, Partey comes more into the, into the halfway part of the field and Asaka is now towards the edge of the box up there and the play can develop that way, right? Those freaking times in this game where all three of them were almost in a line and you're like, that can never happen. That shouldn't happen when I'm playing three central midfielders. That's the whole point of three central, playing three, three central midfielders. Part of me, if I can get that out, because that basically means I'm disrupting the lines. That's the whole point, right? So Ceballos was a five for us. Um, Aubameyang starting on the right side, I didn't understand personally. I don't see the merit or the value in that or whatever we were hoping to get out of it because that's taking your marquee player and reducing him into a right winger. Your marquee forward and reducing him into a right winger. That, for me, showed a lack of tactical aptitude from, from, our, from our manager saying you could have even tried to go with a diamond midfield and put Saka behind a Lacazette and a, part, a Lacazette and a Aubameyang. We can't have Aubameyang playing right wing. We can't even have him playing on the wing anymore. That's done for. So that brought his performance down where he dropped down to a six and it could have been worse. It really could have been worse if he didn't switch over to the left later on in the game and get that one-two chance to bring the ball in and start to show more of a threat. Saka started on the left. Um, I still don't understand it anymore that he should be playing more centrally and creating play, or at the very least playing on the right-hand side where he can cut in on his left foot. Knowing that we bought Pepe at the time that Saka was about to come into his own, I guess still sits on us because it should be Saka playing every single game on the, on the right side, and if he's not performing, we'll see what we do. Now we're forcing to play Pepe on the right side on some games, and when he doesn't play, we don't have too many options. Saka should have played down there. And at the very least in this game, the players should have been switched over with Saka down the right, over down the left. If you want to play Laka down the middle, I think we would have had more of a threat in the game. So tactically, I think Arteta got it all the way wrong with that. And yet Saka still was one of our shining lights. So he gets a 7 knowing that he came off towards the end of the game. I think fatigue taking his toll mentally as well, playing four or five different positions in the last three weeks is taking his toll on the kid. Can we just hone it down? Even if it's just for three games, let's play him in one position. For the, until the next international window, let's play him in one position and see what we get from the kid and take it from there because now we're in danger of, of undervaluing our asset, of devaluing our asset rather, because we just refuse to develop him properly now under the guise of developing him properly. Yet the player's not developing anymore. He was better last season playing as a left wing back where he knew I play here every week. It's not my position, yet I'll be the best in this position. He's shown the aptitude. Why doesn't he get rewarded? 
Your players who have shown no aptitude, no desire to apply themselves, continue to get rewarded. That is not fair. Because now it seems like you're playing the kid just to play him because we say play him. You don't believe in him. Then maybe we don't believe in you as a coach because that's our one of our best players. Long term, that's probably our best player right now in that locker room. He needs to be respected. He needs to be treated with the level of respect he deserves. We're not seeing enough of that within this ball club. So we're praying for, for changes when it comes to that as well. Laka was complete absolute bullshit as a striker. And we've now seen enough of that. I personally feel going forward, he does need to start on the bench. Come on if we need an extra forward. Because rather, he's taking up those 18 tier minutes. When we need somebody to come and offer more of a threat coming off the bench. Because starting-wise, there's not much for us there. There's not much for him there. It's not working and it's not really going to work out. We need to cut our losses as it pertains to that one. Um, yeah, that's it for me. I can't really rate much of the bench because not, not much came on aside from when that bullshit human being called Mustafi came on and cost us the game. That was tough to take. Oh, yeah, that was honestly tough to take because if I have a 19-year-old Saliba making that mistake or an academy kid making that mistake, I know next week that kid is going to go learn from that and come back a better player. We've seen Mustafi continue to make, to make that mistake and then continue to make that mistake after we thought he was going to learn from that mistake. So I think that train has run its course, that ship has sailed. We need to move on from that. And I guess that brings us to our takeaways. I mean, so sorry for the depressive tone of the fucking show today because we're still in these days, bro, where... You really can't believe what just happened. It should be you should be two, three points off the top of the league and you're sitting what now, tenth. Consistency, bro. Consistency, bro. So our takeaways is that four three three is good. And I think Mikael needs to learn that four three three is good. Four three three is healthy. Four three three allows us to get more chances and create more chances. Yet 4-3-3 is a formation that the team doesn't know yet in fullness. So we're not clinical with those chances. They're not natural chances to us. They don't fall to the natural player. We don't make the obvious pass. We don't make the obvious runs. So we need to practice that more in-game. Mustafi's not good. <laughs> and a lot of the other deadweight guys are not good. We can't have them in the team no more, so it's... Relegate to under-23s for you. Go fill up. When we were crying for players in under-23s, so we don't have enough senior guys in under-23s. Let's promote some guys from our, our under-19s all the way to the first team. Relegate some first-team guys to under-23. And we'll actually have three teams across the board that are Arsenal teams that are actually competitive now. Because it's some bullshit. Uber's a striker. Play him down the middle because he's a striker. And build the attack around him as a striker. Lacazette is not levels anymore. So he needs to play off the bench. Let's sell in January. Maybe as part of a make weight in a deal. Let's cut our losses in the summer. Yaka's not good enough. Same WhatsApp group. Saka is a creative midfielder. He's not a fullback. He's not a winger. He's a creative midfielder. Play him centrally and allow him to create. We don't have... A registered, we'll use that word, because we have one on the team who can create. We discussed it not. We have a central midfielder in the team who's creative. He's not registered, fine. Saka's a creative midfielder. He is registered. He is young. He wants to be at the team. We have paid him as well. Let's play him as well. As a central attacking midfielder, as a quasi number eight, Sometimes there's that false nine. You wanted to play Willian against Liverpool, which we still don't understand because Uwe Mayan could have just gone down the middle. But hey, we trust our coach. But our coach needs to trust himself. We trust our coach, but our coach needs to trust himself because party is indispensable. You fought to buy him. I wish you played against Shitty because you see what he could have provided. Could have maybe even gotten a draw in that game, right? Gabriel is a natural-born leader. That's the anchor of our defense. 
Let's build around him. Let's empower him. Let's put a partner next to him who he can grow next to, a partner next to him who can grow him. No Mustafis. No more Mustafis. And I guess the biggest takeaway is that Arteta is still learning. He's still learning on the job. He's still learning how to be a manager. He's still learning how to be a leader in that sense. And I realize he's still learning how to be a motivator because he gives off very positive energies. But it's one of those things where you can be a positive person with positive energies, but there's languages to mo- there's, there's languages in different ways to motivate people. Mikael may speak many languages yet. There's the languages of the universe. And some people speak them in different dialects, in body language, in, in, in terms of affection. And so many other ways that I think Mikael now needs to start to learn. There's some guys in that dressing room that needs to be motivated differently to get the best out of them so we can start getting the best out of them. But that's what it is, man. This has been two second round. What is it? Pardon me. Thank you so much for joining us. I was thinking of the other show we do on the network. We work so much sometimes in the day that you lose track of it. But this has been when Highbury was home. A loud boot podcast presentation. I am True Story. A sad Arsenal fan today. <laughs> I'll be back with, Lord willing, more positivity later on in the week to look forward to the European game against Dundalk. I pray you well. I pray you in a better space. Let's cheer up. Let's go again. We have it in us to be great. Let's continue. However long it takes, right? (laughs) Come on, you goodness.